Paper 52, Planetary Mortal Epochs. From the inception of life on an evolutionary planet to the time of its final flowering in the era of light and life, there appear upon the stage of world action at least seven epochs of human life. These successive ages are determined by the planetary missions of the divine beings, and on an average inhabited world, these epochs appear in the following order. 1. Pre-planetary administrator mortals. 2. Post-planetary administrator mortals. 3. Post-edenic mortals. 4. Post-magisterial mortals. 5. Post-bestowal mortals. 6. Post-Trinity Teacher Mortals, and 7. The Era of Light and Life. The worlds of space, as soon as they are physically suitable for life, are placed on the registry of the life carriers, and in due time these life carriers are dispatched to such planets for the purpose of initiating life. The entire period from life initiation to the appearance of mortals is designated the pre-human era and precedes the successive mortal epochs considered in this narrative. Section 1. Primitive Mortals From the time of humanity's emergence from the animal level, when mortals can choose to worship the Creator, to the arrival of the planetary administrator, mortal will creatures are called primitive mortals. There are six basic types or races of primitive mortals, and these early peoples successively appear in the order of the spectrum colors, beginning with the red. The length of time consumed in this early life evolution varies greatly on the different worlds, ranging from 150,000 years to over 1 million years of Urantia time. The evolutionary races of color, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and indigo, begin to appear about the time that primitive humans are developing a simple language and are beginning to exercise the creative imagination. By this time, mortals are well accustomed to standing erect. Primitive mortals are mighty hunters and fierce fighters. The law of this age is the physical survival of the fittest. The government of these times is wholly tribal. During the early racial struggles on many worlds, some of the evolutionary races are obliterated, as occurred on Urantia. Those who survive are usually subsequently blended with the later imported violet race, the Edenic peoples. In the light of subsequent civilization, this era of primitive mortals is a long, dark, and bloody chapter. The ethics of the jungle and the morals of the primeval forests are not in keeping with the standards of later dispensations of revealed religion and higher spiritual development. On normal and non-experimental worlds, this epoch is very different from the prolonged and extraordinarily brutal struggles which characterize this age on Urantia. When you have emerged from your first world experience, you will begin to see why this long and painful struggle on the evolutionary worlds occurs, 
And as you go forward in the paradise path, you will increasingly understand the wisdom of these apparently strange doings. But notwithstanding all the vicissitudes of the early ages of human emergence, the performances of primitive mortals represent a splendid, even a heroic chapter in the annals of an evolutionary world of time and space. Early evolutionary humans are not colorful creatures. In general, these primitive mortals are cave dwellers or cliff residents. They also build crude huts in the large trees. Before they acquire a high order of intelligence, the planets are sometimes overrun with the larger types of animals. But early in this era, mortals learn to kindle and maintain fire, and with the increase of inventive imagination and the improvement in tools, evolving mortals soon vanquish the larger and more unwieldy animals. The early races also make extensive use of the larger flying animals. These enormous birds are able to carry one or two average-sized people for a non-stop flight of over 500 miles. On some planets, these birds are of great service since they possess a high order of intelligence, often being able to speak many words of the languages of the realm. These birds are most intelligent, very obedient, and unbelievably affectionate. Such passenger birds have been long extinct on Urantia, but your early ancestors enjoyed their services. Mortals' acquirement of ethical judgment, moral will, is usually coincident with the appearance of early language. Upon attaining the human level, after this emergence of mortal will, these beings become receptive to the temporary indwelling of the divine adjusters, and upon death many are duly elected as survivors and sealed by the archangels for subsequent resurrection and infinite mind fusion. The archangels always accompany the planetary administrator, and a dispensational adjudication of the realm is simultaneous with the administrator's arrival. All mortals who are indwelt by thought adjusters are potential worshippers, and they possess capacity for seeking reciprocal contact with divinity. Nevertheless, the early or biologic religion of primitive mortals is largely a persistence of animal fear coupled with ignorant awe and tribal superstition. The survival of superstition in the Urantia races is hardly complementary to your evolutionary development nor compatible with your otherwise splendid achievements in material progress. But this early fear religion serves a very valuable purpose in subduing the fiery tempers of these primitive creatures. It is the forerunner of civilization and the soil for the subsequent planting of the seeds of revealed religion by the planetary administrator and the administrator's accompanying ministers. Within 100,000 years from the time mortals acquire erect posture, 
the planetary administrator usually arrives, having been dispatched by the system sovereign upon the report of the life carriers that will is functioning, even though comparatively few individuals have thus developed. Primitive mortals usually welcome the planetary administrator and the accompanying visible staff. In fact, they often look upon them with awe and reverence, almost with worshipfulness, if they are not restrained. Section 2. Post-Planetary Administrator Mortals With the arrival of the planetary administrator, a new dispensation begins. Government appears on Earth and the advanced tribal epoch is attained. Great social strides are made during a few thousand years of this regime. Under normal conditions, mortals attain a high state of civilization during this age. They do not struggle so long in barbarism as did the Urantia races. But life on an inhabited world is so changed by rebellion that you can have little or no idea of such a regime on a normal planet. The average length of this dispensation is around 500,000 years, some longer, some shorter. During this era, the planet is established in the circuits of the system, and a full quota of seraphic and other celestial helpers is assigned to its administration. The Thalachusters come in increasing numbers, and the seraphic guardians amplify their regime of mortal supervision. When the planetary administrator arrives on a primitive world, the evolved religion of fear and ignorance prevails. The administrator and accompanying staff make the first revelations of higher truth and universe organization. These initial presentations of revealed religion are very simple, and they usually pertain to the affairs of the local system. Religion is wholly an evolutionary process prior to the arrival of the planetary administrator. Subsequently, religion progresses by graduated revelation as well as by evolutionary growth. Each dispensation, each mortal epoch, receives an enlarged presentation of spiritual truth and religious ethics. The evolution of the religious capacity of receptivity in the inhabitants of a world largely determines their rate of spiritual advancement and the extent of religious revelation. This dispensation witnesses a spiritual dawn, and the different races and their various tribes tend to develop specialized systems of religious and philosophic thought. They uniformly run through all of these racial religions two strains, the early fears of primitive mortals and the later revelations of the planetary administrator. In some respects, Urantians do not seem to have wholly emerged from this stage of planetary evolution. As you pursue this study, you will the more clearly discern how far your world departs from the average course of evolutionary progress and development. Racial struggles and tribal wars continue over this dispensation but with diminishing frequency and severity. 
This is the great age of racial dispersion, and it culminates in a period of intense nationalism. Color is the basis of tribal and national groupings, and the different races often develop separate languages. Each expanding group of mortals tends to seek isolation. This segregation is favored by the existence of many languages. Before the unification of the several races, their relentless warfare sometimes results in the obliteration of whole peoples. The orange and green race are particularly subject to such extinction. On average worlds, during the latter part of the administrator's rule, national life begins to replace tribal organization, or rather to be superimposed upon the existing tribal groupings. But the great social achievement of the administrator's epoch is the emergence of family life. Up to this time, human relationships have been chiefly tribal. Now the home begins to materialize. This is the dispensation of the realization of sex equality. On some planets, one of the genders may rule the other. On other planets, the reverse prevails. During this age, normal worlds establish full equality of the sexes, this being preliminary to the fuller realization of the ideals of home life. This is the dawn of the golden age of the home. The idea of tribal rule gradually gives way to the dual concept of national life and family life. During this age, agriculture makes its appearance. The growth of the family idea is incompatible with the roving and unsettled life of the hunter. Gradually, the practices of settled habitations and the cultivation of the soil become established. The domestication of animals and the development of home arts proceed. Upon reaching the apex of biologic evolution, a high level of civilization has been attained, but there is little development of a mechanical order. Invention is the characteristic of the succeeding age. The races are purified and brought up to a high state of physical perfection and intellectual strength before the end of this era. The early development of a normal world is greatly helped by the plan of promoting the increase of the higher types of mortals through intelligent reproduction. One of the great achievements of the age of the planetary administrator is the advancement of the higher types of mortals. Long before the times of the arrival of the biologic uplifters, most worlds seriously address themselves to this task. This problem of genetic improvement is not such an extensive undertaking when it is undertaken at this early date in human evolution. The preceding period of tribal struggles and rugged competition has weeded out most of the lower human strains. These strains do not have much chance of survival in a primitive and warring tribal social organization. There exist on even the most normal of the evolutionary worlds sufficient differences between individuals and between numerous social groups 
to provide for the full exercise of noble traits of altruistic sentiment and unselfish mortal ministry without perpetuating the lower strains of evolving humanity. There is abundant opportunity for the exercise of tolerance and the function of altruism on behalf of those unfortunate and needy individuals who have not irretrievably lost their moral heritage and forever destroyed their spiritual birthright. Section 3. Post-Edenic Mortals When the original impetus of evolutionary life has run its biologic course, when mortals have reached the apex of animal development, there arrives the second order of beings, and the second dispensation of grace and ministry is inaugurated. This is true on all evolutionary worlds. When the highest possible level of evolutionary life has been attained, when primitive mortals have ascended as far as possible in the biologic scale, material biologic uplifters always appear on the planet, having been dispatched by the system sovereign. Thought adjusters are increasingly bestowed upon the post-Edenic mortals, and in constantly augmented numbers, these mortals attain capacity for subsequent adjuster fusion. While functioning in their descending capacity, the biologic uplifters do not possess adjusters, but their planetary offspring, direct and mixed, become legitimate candidates for the reception, in due time, of the mystery monitors. By the termination of the post-Edenic age, the planet is in possession of its full quota of celestial ministers. Only the fusion adjusters are not yet universally bestowed. It is the prime purpose of the Edenic regime to influence evolving mortals to complete the transit from the hunter and herder stage of civilization to that of the agriculturist and horticulturist to be later supplemented by the appearance of the urban and industrial adjuncts to civilization. 10,000 years of this dispensation of the biologic uplifters is sufficient to effect a marvelous transformation. 25,000 years of such an administration of the conjoint wisdom of the planetary administrator and the biologic uplifters usually ripens the sphere for the advent of a magisterial visit. This age usually witnesses the completion of the advancement of the higher genetic strains. On normal worlds, the defective bestial tendencies are very nearly eliminated from the reproducing stocks of the realm. The Edenic progeny never amalgamate with the lower strains of the evolutionary races. Neither is it the divine plan for the biologic uplifters to mate, personally, with the evolutionary peoples. This race improvement project is the task of their progeny, but the offspring of the biologic uplifters are mobilized for generations before the racial amalgamation ministry is inaugurated. 
The result of the gift of the Edenic life plasm to the mortal races is an immediate upstepping of intellectual capacity and an acceleration of spiritual progress. There is usually some physical improvement also. On an average world, the post-Edenic dispensation is an age of great invention, energy control, and mechanical development. This is the era of the appearance of multi-form manufacture and the control of natural forces. It is the golden age of exploration and final control of the planet. Much of the material progress of a world occurs during this time of the inauguration of the development of the physical sciences, an epoch just as Urantia is now experiencing. Your world is a full dispensation and more behind the average planetary schedule. By the end of the Edenic dispensation on a normal planet, the races are practically blended. The color of such an amalgamated race is somewhat of an olive shade of the violet hue. Primitive mortals are, for the most part, carnivorous. The biologic uplifters do not eat meat, but their offspring within a few generations usually gravitate to the omnivorous level, although whole groups of their descendants sometimes remain non-flesh eaters. This double origin of the post-Edenic races explains how such blended human stocks exhibit anatomic vestiges belonging to both the herbivorous and carnivorous animal groups. Within 10,000 years of racial amalgamation, the resultant stocks show varying degrees of anatomic blend, some strains carrying more of the marks of the non-flesh-eating ancestry, others exhibiting more of the distinguishing traits and physical characteristics of their carnivorous evolutionary progenitors. The majority of these world races soon become omnivorous, subsisting upon a wide range of viands from both the animal and vegetable kingdoms. The post-Edenic epoch is the dispensation of internationalism. With the near completion of the task of race blending, nationalism wanes and the family of mortals really begins to materialize. Representative government begins to take the place of the monarchial or paternal form of rulership. The educational system becomes worldwide, and gradually the languages of the races give way to the tongue of the violet people. Universal peace and cooperation are seldom attained until the races are fairly well blended and until they speak a common language. During the closing centuries of the post-Edenic age, there develops a new interest in art, music, and literature, and this worldwide awakening is the signal for the appearance of a magisterial. The crowning development of this era is the universal interest in intellectual realities, true philosophy. Religion becomes less nationalistic, becomes more and more a planetary affair. New revelations of truth 
characterize these ages, and the most highs of the constellations begin to rule in the affairs of humanity. Truth is revealed up to the administration of the constellations. Great ethical advancement characterizes this era. The family of mortals is the goal of its society. Worldwide peace, the cessation of race conflict and national animosity, is the indicator of planetary ripeness for the advent of the third order of beings, the magisterials. Section 4. Post-Magisterial Mortals On normal and loyal planets, this age opens with the mortal races blended and biologically fit. There are no race or color problems. Literally all nations and races are of one blood. The family of mortals flourishes, and the nations are learning to live on earth in peace and tranquility. Such a world stands on the eve of a great and culminating intellectual development. When an evolutionary world becomes thus ripe for the magisterial age, one of the high order of Avonals makes an appearance on a magisterial mission. The planetary administrator and the biologic uplifters are of local universe origin. The magisterial hails from paradise. When the paradise of Onals come to the mortal spheres on judicial actions, solely as dispensational adjudicators, they are never incarnated. But when they come on magisterial missions, at least the initial one, they are always incarnated, though they do not experience birth, neither do they die the death of the realm. They may live on for generations in those cases where they remain as rulers on certain planets. When their missions are concluded, they yield up their planetary lives and return to their former divine status. Each new dispensation extends the horizon of revealed religion, and the magisterials extend the revelation of truth to portray the affairs of the local universe and all its tributaries. After the initial visitation of a magisterial, the races soon affect their economic liberation. The daily work required to sustain one's independence would be represented by two and one-half hours of your time. It is perfectly safe to liberate such ethical and intelligent mortals. Such refined peoples know how to utilize leisure for self-improvement and planetary advancement. This age witnesses the further advancement of the higher genetic strains. The political government and social administration of the planet continue to improve, self-government being fairly well established by the end of this age. By self-government, we refer to the highest type of representative government. Such worlds advance and honor only those leaders and rulers who are most fit to bear social and political responsibilities. During this epoch, the majority of the world mortals are a juster indwelt. But even then, the bestowal of divine monitors is not always universal. The adjusters of fusion destiny are not yet bestowed upon all planetary mortals. It is still necessary for the will creatures to choose the mystery monitors. 
During the closing ages of this dispensation, society begins to return to more simplified forms of living. The complex nature of an advancing civilization is running its course, and mortals are learning to live more naturally and effectively. And this trend increases with each succeeding epoch. This is the age of the flowering of art, music, and higher learning. The physical sciences have already reached their height of development. The termination of this age, on an ideal world, witnesses the fullness of a great religious awakening, a worldwide spiritual enlightenment, and this extensive arousal of the spiritual natures of the people is the signal for a divine bestowal and for the inauguration of the fifth mortal epoch. On many worlds it develops that the planet is not made ready for a bestowal by only one magisterial mission. In that event there will be a second, even a succession of magisterial visits, each of which will advance the races from one dispensation to another until the planet is made ready for the gift of the bestowal. On the second and subsequent missions the magisterials may or may not be incarnated. But no matter how many magisterials may appear, and they may also come as such after the bestowal, the advent of each one marks the end of one dispensation and the beginning of another. These dispensations of the magisterials cover anywhere from 25,000 to 50,000 years of Urantia time. Sometimes such an epoch is much shorter and in rare instances even longer. But in the fullness of time, one of these same magisterials will come on a bestowal mission. Section 5. Post-Bestowal Mortals When a certain standard of intellectual and spiritual development is attained on an inhabited world, a paradise bestowal being always arrives not appearing on normal worlds in the flesh until the population has ascended to the highest levels of intellectual development and ethical attainment. But on Urantia, the bestowal being, even your own local universe creator, appeared at the close of the Edenic dispensation. But that is not the usual order of events on the worlds of space. When the worlds have become ripe for spiritualization, the bestowal being arrives. These beings always belong to the magisterial or avonal order, except in that case, once in each local universe, when the local universe creator prepares for a terminal bestowal on some evolutionary world, as occurred when Michael of Nebadon appeared on Urantia. Only one world in near 10 million can enjoy such a gift. All other worlds are spiritually advanced by the bestowal of the avonal order. The bestowal being arrives on a world of high educational culture and encounters a race spiritually trained and prepared to assimilate advanced teachings and to appreciate the bestowal mission. This is an age characterized by the worldwide pursuit of moral culture and spiritual truth. 
The mortal passion of this dispensation is the penetration of cosmic reality and communion with spiritual reality. The revelations of truth are extended to include the super-universe. Entirely new systems of education and government emerge to supplant the crude regimes of former times. The joy of living takes on new color, and the reactions of life are exalted to heavenly heights of tone and timbre. The bestowal being lives and dies for the spiritual uplift of the mortal races of a world and establishes the, quote, new and living way, end quote. This being is an incarnation of paradise truth in mortal flesh, that very truth, even the spirit of truth, in the knowledge of which mortals shall be free. On Urantia, the establishment of this, quote, new and living way, End quote, was a matter of fact as well as of truth. The isolation of Urantia in the Lucifer Rebellion had suspended the procedure whereby mortals can pass, upon death, directly to the shores of the mansion worlds. Before the days of Christ Michael on Urantia, all souls slept on until the dispensational or special millennial resurrections. Even Moses was not permitted to go over to the other side until the occasion of a special resurrection. The fallen planetary administrator, Caligastia, contesting such a deliverance. But ever since the day of Pentecost, Urantia mortals again may proceed directly to the Marantia spheres. The bestowal being upon resurrection on the third day after yielding up the incarnated life ascends to the universal source, receives the assurance of the acceptance of the bestowal mission, and returns to the headquarters of the local universe. Thereupon the bestowal of Vonal and the creator Michael send their joint spirit, the spirit of truth, into the bestowal world. The universe creative spirit also participates in this bestowal of the spirit of truth, and concomitantly there issues the bestowal edict of the thought adjusters. Thereafter, all normal-minded will creatures of that world will receive adjusters as soon as they attain the age of moral responsibility of spiritual choice. Such a bestowal of Onal, if returning to a world after the bestowal mission, would not incarnate, but would come, quote, in glory with the seraphic hosts, end quote. The post-bestowal age may extend from 10,000 to 100,000 years. There is no arbitrary time allotted to any of these dispensational eras. This is a time of great ethical and spiritual progress. Under the spiritual influence of these ages, human character undergoes tremendous transformations and experiences phenomenal development. It becomes possible to put the golden rule into practical operation. The teachings of Jesus are really applicable to a mortal world which has had the preliminary training of the pre-bestowal beings with their dispensations of character ennoblement and culture augmentation. 
during this era, the problems of disease and delinquency are virtually solved. Degeneracy has already been largely eliminated by intelligent reproduction. Disease has been practically mastered through the high-resistant qualities of the Edenic strains and by the intelligent and worldwide application of the discoveries of the physical sciences of preceding ages. The average length of life during this period climbs well above the equivalent of 300 years of Urantia time. Throughout this epoch, there is a gradual lessening of governmental supervision. True self-government is beginning to function. Fewer and fewer restrictive laws are necessary. The military branches of national resistance are passing away. The era of international harmony is really arriving. There are many nations, mostly determined by land distribution, but only one race, one language, and one religion. Mortal affairs are almost but not quite utopian. This truly is a great and glorious age. Section 6. Urantia's Post-Bestowal Age on normal worlds, this is a dispensation of worldwide peace. There is no more war. But such salutary influences did not attend the coming of your local universe creator, Christ Michael. Urantia is not proceeding in the normal order. Your world is out of step in the planetary procession. Your master, when on earth warned his disciples that his advent would not bring the usual reign of peace on Urantia. He distinctly told them that there would be, quote, wars and rumors of wars, end quote, and that nation would rise against nation. At another time, he said, quote, think not that I have come to bring peace upon earth, end quote. Even on normal evolutionary worlds, the realization of the worldwide family of mortals is not an easy accomplishment. On a confused and disordered planet like Urantia, such an achievement requires a much longer time and necessitates far greater effort. Unaided social evolution can hardly achieve such happy results on a spiritually isolated sphere. Religious revelation is essential to the realization of harmony on Urantia. While Jesus has shown the way to the immediate attainment of spiritual harmony, the realization of social harmony on your world depends much on the achievement of the following personal transformations and planetary adjustments. 1. Social Harmony multiplication of international and inter-ethnic social contacts and associations through travel, commerce, and competitive play, development of a common language, and the multiplication of multilinguists, the worldwide interchange of students, teachers, industrialists, and religious philosophers. Two, Intellectual cross-fertilization. Harmony is impossible on a world whose inhabitants are so primitive that they fail to recognize the folly of unmitigated selfishness. 
there must occur an exchange of literature. Each group of people must become familiar with the thought of all groups. Each nation must know the feelings of all nations. Ignorance breeds suspicion, and suspicion is incompatible with the essential attitude of sympathy and love. 3. Ethical Awakening Only ethical consciousness can unmask the immorality of intolerance and the sinfulness of strife. Only a moral conscience can condemn the evils of national envy and ethnic jealousy. Only moral beings will ever seek for that spiritual insight which is essential to living the golden rule. 4. Political Wisdom Emotional maturity is essential to self-control. Only emotional maturity will ensure the substitution of international techniques of civilized adjudication for the barbarous arbitrament of war. Wise people will work for the welfare of humanity, even while they strive to promote the interest of their own groups. Selfish political sagacity is ultimately suicidal, destructive of all those enduring qualities which ensure planetary group survival. 5. Spiritual Insight The family of mortals is, after all, predicated on the recognition of the parenthood of the Creator. The quickest way to realize the family of mortals on Urantia is to affect the spiritual transformation of present-day humanity. The only technique for accelerating the natural trend of social evolution is that of applying spiritual pressure from above, thus augmenting moral insight while enhancing the soul capacity of every mortal to understand and love every other mortal. Mutual understanding and familial love are transcendent civilizers and mighty factors in the worldwide realization of the global family. If you could be transplanted from your backward and confused world to some normal planet now in the post-bestowal age, you would think you had been translated to the heaven of your traditions. You would hardly believe that you were observing the normal evolutionary workings of a mortal sphere of human habitation. These worlds are in the spiritual circuits of their realm, and they enjoy all the advantages of the universe broadcasts and the reflectivity services of the super-universe. Section 7. Post-Trinity Teacher Mortals The next order to arrive on the average evolutionary world are the Trinity Teachers, the divine children of the Paradise Trinity. Again, we find Urantia out of step with its neighboring spheres in that your Jesus has promised to return. That promise he will certainly fulfill, but no one knows whether his second coming will precede or follow the appearances of magisterials or trinity teachers on Urantia. The trinity teachers come in groups to the spiritualizing worlds. A Trinity teacher is assisted and supported by 70 primary associates, 12 secondary, 
and three of the highest and most experienced of the supreme order of Danals. This core will remain for some time on the world, long enough to effect the transition from the evolutionary ages to the era of light and life, not less than 1,000 years of planetary time, and often considerably longer. This mission is a trinity contribution to the antecedent efforts of all the divine personalities who have ministered to an inhabited world. The revelation of truth is now extended to the central universe and to paradise. The races are becoming highly spiritual. A great people has evolved and a great age is approaching. The educational, economic, and administrative systems of the planet are undergoing radical transformations. New values and relationships are being established. This is the dispensation when many mortals are translated from among the living. As the era of Trinity teachers progresses, the spiritual allegiance of the mortals of time becomes more and more universal. Natural death becomes less frequent as the adjusters increasingly fuse with their subjects during the lifetime in the flesh. The planet eventually is classed as of the primary modified order of mortal ascension. Life during this era is pleasant and profitable. Degeneracy and the antisocial end products of the long evolutionary struggle have been virtually obliterated. The length of life approaches 500 Urantia years, and the reproductive rate is intelligently controlled. An entirely new order of society has arrived. There are still great differences among mortals, but the state of society more nearly approaches the ideals of social family and spiritual equality. Representative government is vanishing, and the world is passing under the rule of individual self-control. The function of government is chiefly directed to collective tasks of social administration and economic coordination. The golden age is arriving. The temporal goal of the long and intense planetary evolutionary struggle is in sight. The reward of the ages is soon to be realized. The wisdom of the deities is about to be manifested. The physical administration of a world during this age requires about one hour each day on the part of every adult individual. That is the equivalent of one Urantia hour. The planet is in close touch with universe affairs and its people scan the latest broadcasts with the same keen interest you now manifest in the latest news. These people are occupied with a thousand things of interest unknown on your world. Increasingly, true planetary allegiance to the Supreme Being grows. Generation after generation, more and more of the people step into line with those who practice justice and live mercy. Slowly but surely, the world is being won to the joyous service of the children of the Creator. The physical difficulties and material problems have been largely solved. The planet is ripening for advanced life and a more settled existence. 
from time to time throughout their dispensation trinity teachers continue to come to these peaceful worlds they do not leave a world until they observe that the evolutionary plan as it concerns that planet is working smoothly a magisterial of judgment usually accompanies the trinity teachers on their successive missions while another functions at the time of their departure and these judicial actions continue from age to age throughout the duration of the mortal regime of time and space each recurring mission of the trinity teachers successively exalts such a supernal world to ever ascending heights of wisdom spirituality and cosmic illumination but the noble natives of such a sphere are still finite and mortal nothing is perfect nevertheless there is evolving a quality of near perfection in the operation of an imperfect world and in the lives of its human inhabitants the trinity teachers may return many times to the same world but sooner or later in connection with the termination of one of their missions the planetary administrator is elevated to the position of planetary sovereign and the system sovereign appears to proclaim the entrance of such a world upon the era of light and life no matter what the special natural history of an individual planet may be whether a realm has been wholly loyal tainted with evil or cursed by sin no matter what the antecedents may be sooner or later the grace of the creator and the ministry of angels will usher in the day of the advent of the trinity teachers and their departure following their final mission will inaugurate this superb era of light and life the departure of the trinity teacher corps at the end of their first or some subsequent reign ushers in the dawn of the era of light and life the threshold of the transition from time to the vestibule of eternity the planetary realization of this era of light and life far more than equals the fondest expectations of urantia mortals who have entertained no more far-seeing concepts of the future life than those embraced within religious beliefs which depict heaven as the immediate destiny and final dwelling place of surviving mortals this paper had been originally sponsored by a mighty messenger temporarily attached to the staff of gabriel